0: The church at Battle Creek is expanding to Midtown. Our next campus will perfectly position us right in the heart of Tulsa. We're excited to watch as God creates something great again from another seed planted. I'm excited that Battle Creek is coming to Midtown because this will give us a chance to reach a new community and a new area. I'm excited Battle Creek is coming to
1: Midtown because, wow, in the heart of Tulsa, what amazing thing God's going to do right here on this campus!
0: I'm excited that Battle Creek's coming to Midtown because, as a native Tulsa, I want to see us give folks the opportunity to see what a living, dynamic, exciting relationship with Jesus Christ looks like.
2: We're excited Battle Creek is coming to Midtown because we love the culture. We fell in love with Midtown years ago, and we're excited about what God is going to do here. Hi, my name is Brian Craig, and I'm so excited to be at the new Battle Creek Midtown campus, Uh, something that's been so close to my heart for the last year and a half. I just have to tell you, it all started with a vision. Um, I love Battle Creek, I love the mission, I love Alex's heart, I love what I see happening over in Broken Arrow, but I don't live in Broken Arrow, I live about a mile from here. As we started kind of dreaming that direction towards this community church in Midtown, Uh, What happened is we found out there's a lot of other folks that have been praying for Midtown. People even outside of Battle Creek. There's probably six other ministries that are praying for Midtown. And there's all sorts of influential people who live in these neighborhoods over here. And I guarantee there's lots of lost people too. And I just know God has a heart. To, to reach this unique position here that we wouldn't be able to read, reach in Broken Arrow. And so I am so happy for my family to get fully involved here. So excited to see my invite my neighbors to church. Now I only live a mile away, so now I have a place I can say, hey, come check out the new church right up the street. And so I'm excited to see what God's gonna do and, uh, and we're gonna be a part of it and you're a part of it. Thank you.
0: So why Midtown? Midtown has the highest concentration of Tulsa's population. Imagine a thousand people filling the space of our new campus. Imagine a group of believers renewing a vision once thought dead. Midtown has great need of a church with its arms outstretched, a church where families are transformed and hearts are turned back to God, right here, right now. The worship center will seat over 300 people, completely retrofitted to allow for a full range of multimedia and multi-use. An amazing renovation will transform a second building into new space for preschool and elementary, while the third building will host our students, fulfilling the vision of reaching all people, all ages, all the time. That's a vision worth owning.
1: It's very exciting. Well, today is, is day 20 of this fast that we've been doing together, and this prayer time, and uh, this devotion uh, that we've been doing together. And if you've been journeying with us over the last three weeks, uh, I just want to say congratulations. And uh, you have made it. We are here. And uh, we are lapping the last lap uh, today. And if you've been on this journey with us, you've seen God do some incredible things in your life and uh, we have watched story after story happen and miracle after miracle and life change after life change happen and in fact if you have not uh, told us your story I want you to do that and I want you just to jot it down and send it to stories at tcabc.com and in the next couple of weeks we're going to start sharing some more of these stories because we want to give God glory We ask God to do miraculous things in our lives, and and if He's done them in your lives, we want to shout it from the mountaintop. And we want to share it with with the church family. And so send us an email uh, with your story on it. One of the things that I enjoyed the most over the last three weeks was this prayer time we did last Sunday on the Midtown campus. And uh, hundreds and hundreds of people came and, and prayed Uh, and walk the grounds and the buildings and from station to station they prayed all afternoon uh, asking God to be glorified in the preschool area in the children's area in the student area in the worship area and and just believing God for great things and for lives to be changed uh, there on that campus and then 197 people stayed for the worship time together what will end up being the first worship service Uh, we ever did on that campus of many 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 to come for years and years and years to come and it was really good and uh, it was really exciting and if you were there with us no doubt you caught the vision uh, for what can be uh, there and the vision has not changed for the last eight years it has been it will continue to be to glorify God by helping all people of all ages all the time advance in their journey with Christ and it's about people in Tulsa, and America, and the world coming uh, to a life-saving relationship and growing in that relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me just ask, you, how many of you fasted for the first time in, in this journey? Would you just raise your hand? Wow, hundreds of you across the room. Uh, very first time. And uh, I just want to say congratulations. It's fun, isn't it? I mean, you feel like you're going to a buffet on the presence of God. A- and uh, there's always this trepidation that I have when I end a fast and just like, I'm not sure I, I, I want to end, but my flesh is saying, please end, right? And uh, pizza is, is what my flesh is saying. And, and, uh, but just this presence, and I hope you've been feasting in the presence of God. And I love the heightened sense of sensitivity to the Spirit uh, while you are on a fast. And, and I love what God is doing. And I, I just want to say, tonight, if you do community groups on Sunday night, go and be a part of that group tonight uh, and the other nights of the week this week if your group is having i've already talked to two groups who have already participated on thursday night and friday night because they're not having group next week because of thanksgiving and so they went ahead and did the lord's supper together we're going to break the fast this evening and this week on, on lord's supper uh together and so for the first time in eight years we're going to do the lord's supper together all over tulsa and, and uh, a couple of weeks ago i made a video just walking through a couple of passages of Scripture teaching how to do the Lord's Supper and what the Lord's Supper is all about. And we're going to do it in homes all over the city uh, wh- while you watch on DVD. And it's going to be really, really special time. I've already heard from those two groups that did on Thursday for how special it was. One group was 20s and, and one group was 60s. And both of them shared the exact same thing of how special it was uh, to do that together in community group and, and around the table. And if you've, uh, for the first time, been fasting, I don't know if you're thinking about what you're going to eat after that. My community group's bringing meals uh, after the Lord's Supper. And uh, we're not just that spiritual, that we're just going to do the Lord's Supper tonight. We're going to eat uh, afterwards. And uh, there are some people in the community group who can cook and there are some who can't. And I'm praying that it's the turn for those who can't uh, uh, to, to bring food uh, tonight. And so uh, it's like going to a buffet, really. Uh, as, as you watch this play, I out, don't, I don't go to buffets often. And, but occasionally I do. And when I do, I get my money's worth. And uh, that's just the way that it plays out. My son, my uh, oldest son, he loves him some golden corral. And... and uh, I don't really care for Golden Corral, but he loves it. And so when he talks us into going, I say, can we please go, you know, to Golden Corral? Usually when we go, I give in at breakfast. And and we go at breakfast time because they have a pretty good breakfast. And and, uh, I've learned about going through buffets. You need to go on a scouting trip before you begin to fill a plate. And and, uh, the financial experts that run restaurants know that. And they put the filler and the cheap stuff on the front end of the buffet. And you start with salad and all that, which you fill your plate up and you fill your stomach and you're really disappointed because you get to the end and you're full and your plate is, is, is completely full. Breakfast, the same way, right? They put the honeydew melon and the, you know, the cantaloupe on the front end. You get to the end and there's this vat, this big full of bacon. And you're like, what did I do? I got fruit, you know, and there's bacon. And, and, and you know, most restaurants you go to, they give you a couple of slices of bacon, but really bacon was meant to take the tongs, reach in and grab a whole pig, right? Put it on your plate and, and, and take it back. And there's all kinds of opinions about bacon. For me, bacon should shatter when you touch it. I'm not into this flimsy stuff. I, I, I want all the pig cooked out of it. And I want it to taste burnt and, and charred. And if my fork accidentally touched I want it to just crush. And, and those of you who like it flimsy, it's a disease waiting to happen. And, and, and But, but, but the, I think the invention of a buffet is quite honestly why Americans uh, fear Making commitment. And uh, we all have this notion that life is this buffet and and that uh, we're going along filling our plate and we're carrying our plate through life and we don't want to fill up our plate too early on commitments uh, or too quickly because we fear we might miss out later in life. And so we stay away from commitment. You say, well, I don't want to take that job because maybe another one will come along or I'm not sure about that house or I don't think I'm going to get married yet because, you know, one person for, I mean, what if another one comes along? And and so we avoid making commitments and, and we miss out. And I just want to say to you today, if you are spending your life running from commitment, you are not really living. Because life cannot be lived without making commitments. And and, and nothing great in life ever happens without a great commitment. The Bible teaches that the key to life is commitments and that nothing affects your life more than the commitments that you choose to make. I want to show you why that is true because commitments do several things in our lives. The first thing I want to show you today that commitments do in our lives is they show our values. If you want to know what it is you value in life, go look at the commitments that you have made in life. The Bible says that where I commit myself is where I put my heart. Whatever I love, that's what I am committed to. Matthew 6 says that where your treasure is, your heart will also be. And and, uh, there's no such thing as love without commitment. No such thing as love without commitment. In fact, half of you are single adults in in, in the room today. And... uh, I just want to say to those of you who are single, if you think that somebody loves you and there's no commitment, I want you to hear me today and let your pastor love you by telling you they don't love you. They don't. Because with love comes commitment. And what you're not willing to commit to, you don't really love. God loved us so much that he was committed to us. And he was committed to us to such a degree that he gave his life. For us, Romans 5.10 says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. You could write in your Bible or on your notes there that God demonstrates his own commitment to us in this way. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. His sinless life, his grueling death, his victorious resurrection, all for you. And he did it for you even when you were unloving. And he did it for you even when you were unlovable. That's real commitment, that's real love, and that's real selflessness. But the uncommitted life is, in its essence, pure selfishness. That's what it is. That, that I, I'm going to live my life uncommitted is saying I don't consider any one thing, I don't consider any one person, I don't consider any one cause in life worth my commitment. That is self-centered, self-focused and selfish. And when you take the focus off of yourself and you put it onto God and what God wants to accomplish in and through your life, that's where you find real life because they show our values. The second thing that commitments do is they shape our lives. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. In other words, guard your commitments. Guard where you put your heart because your life is the sum total of your commitments. If I'm just committed to making money... My values are going to show that. If I'm committed to being liked or or approved of, all of my commitments are going to show that. Whatever you commit to, it shapes who you are. And it may not be who you want to be, and it may not be who God wants you to be, but the truth of the matter is, is when you commit, you're excluding others or other things in your life and everything else. Because I'm committed here. Matthew 6, Jesus said it this way. No one can love two masters, for he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. So when you choose commitments you're setting your character and you're setting your life and you're setting your lifestyle and you're choosing your friends and and you're selecting opportunities in your life why because all of those things are determined by what you commit your life to and, and your commitments point you in a direction making commitments is like setting a compass on your path and on your children's path to say this is the way we're going to go the third thing they do is they set our destiny You want your destiny set. You set your destiny by the commitments you make and the commitment you make to those things. Matthew 6, listen how Jesus talks about our commitments and and where we put our focus. Verse 19, don't store up treasure here on earth, he said. It tells you why. Because moss eat them, rust destroy them, and thieves break in and steal. Don't do it. Now, he wouldn't tell us not to do it if it wasn't possible to do it. He said, I don't store up treasure on earth. According to Jesus, we do. And we have that opportunity to do that every single day, to store up treasure here on earth. And he's warning us, saying, don't do that. But what do you do? Verse 20, store your treasure in heaven. Now listen, I meet people all the time saying, I'm not sure about storing treasure in heaven. He would not have commanded us. Jesus Christ would not have commanded us to do it. He came from heaven. Right? Eternity before he was there. He came here for a short period and during that short period, knowing he was going back to heaven forever and ever, he said, don't store up your treasure here, store it up there. It is possible to take worldly resources on this side of heaven and store it up there. Why? Because moths don't come and rust doesn't destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. So where do you want to go with your life? Where where do you want your life to end up? Where do you want your afterlife to to look like? You have the choice to point your life in the direction that you want it to go here and now, on this side. And that's what commitments are for. But but if you never commit to anything, you're going to wander around aimlessly. You'll be, quite honestly, without a home and, and never owning anything. Because you can't own anything without a commitment you can't do it you can't even go get a car today without a commitment and so everything in life is worth committing to uh if it's a big deal in our lives we're we're, we're going somewhere as a church we have a destiny here at the church at battle creek and you need to be on board with that destiny that's the reason we're saying you need to own it and so i can't in a right way ask you to own it without giving you an opportunity to commit to it today And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to give you an opportunity to commit and and to own the vision of the church at Battle Creek. Today you're going to get that opportunity. But I don't want you to make a half-hearted commitment and a half-thought-through commitment. I want you to be very specific about the commitment you make. And I'm going to give you some words today as it relates to commitment, as we get ready to make them. Because I want you to be fully invested in the bride of Christ. And to be fully invested means you got to be fully committed. And to be invested for real means you got to make a commitment. So I I, I want to give you some uh, descriptive words of the commitment I want you to make today. First of all, I want you to make a wise commitment. Luke 14, Jesus warns his disciples to count the cost before following him. I I think sometimes we're prone to jump into something before we count the cost of it, right? Maybe in buying a house, we see the monthly payment. But we forgot about the insurance, right? Or, or, or we forgot about the upkeep or we forgot about the utilities. And, and we think, well, I can afford that. And we make this decision before we count the cost. And, and, or I've got time for that. I'll go ahead and add that to my schedule. And it eats all of the margin out of our calendar. The book of Proverbs says that jumping into something without looking at it can be a trap or a snare for, for us. Proverbs 20, verse 25 says, don't trap yourself. By making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. Here's the point. God wants his children to be reliable. All right? That's what he wants for, for his kids because he wants us to look like him in a dark world. And the definition of integrity is to do what you promise to do. That's what integrity is. It, it's, I'm going to do what I said I would do. And if you can't meet the commitment, don't make the commitment. And if you've already committed to it, follow through <clears throat> on the commitment. So how do you count the cost? Well, with a house, if you buy a house, you've got to measure the budget, right? And do I make enough to, to afford uh, this home? Can we afford the payments? Can we afford the insurance? Can we afford the upkeep? Then you go hire an inspector, right, to come and look at it and to inspect the pipes and make sure there's no termites and, and, and to insure uh, the title, etc. Before you get married, you've got to count the cost. What's that going to cost to to get married? That's why I don't do uh, weddings that don't go through premarital. Because I've been down that road before. The first four marriages I performed all ended in divorce. There was a point at which I was 0 for 4. On marriages making it. It was at that point that I just said, no. I'm not doing this anymore. And I, I'm not going to be a part of, of that. So now I, I don't even do the premarital counseling. i got experts doing it. Pat and Alan Gates do it, and she's a professional CPA, and he's a professional counselor. And we say, if you can make it through that, then we'll do your wedding. Why? Because you've got to learn to count the cost. And I'm not talking about counting the cost of a wedding. That's Somebody needs to count that cost, right? You don't go into debt for a wedding for the rest of your marriage. But, but the cost of marriage is far greater than the cost of a wedding. I mean, you're changing your whole life forever, right? I'm committing to one person. You're changing the drawer you're going to put your socks in. Where are you going to sleep? How are you going to sleep? For the rest of your schedule, everything, right? And so count the cost before you do that and adjust accordingly. And when we make commitments today, you need to count the cost. And as you make the commitments you're about to make financially today, maybe you, you need to cut back here or there and, and make some changes. Or maybe, maybe you've got to redirect finances and tell them where to go. Say, we want them to go to here. And, and maybe it's that bonus or that commission or that tax return. It's going to go here instead of there. Now, maybe you're saying we're not going to go out to eat as much or we won't buy that new car or that new boat. or whatever. We're going to count the cost and we're going to make a wise commitment. Now, on the flip side of that, the second thing I want you to do is I want you to make a generous commitment. generous one during the 20-day fast we've been asking you to follow the devotional guide and one of the days this last week the guy who wrote the devotion talked about his wife and her giving all of her dolls which I'm not sure I understand but giving all of her dolls I think from her childhood to a a home that needed the dolls for uh, the children and he used this verse that we looked at last week in 2nd Corinthians 9 Uh, verse 7, which says, God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. And the Greek word there for cheerful is the same root word for hilarious. In other words, he likes us to give in a way that's hilarious. He wants us to give with hilarity. He wants us to be so excited about it, spontaneous and ready to give no matter what. Yes, we count the cost, but, but once we've counted the cost, he wants us to give like we mean it. And to give with great joy. And, and to give with such commitment and to give so much to the point that we would make others blush if they knew what we were given to say, I can't believe you're giving that. And I can't believe you're sacrificing to that level. I can't believe that. Why? It, it, it is that type of giving. And that type of giving, listen to me, men and women, it is not silly. And it's not unwise. It's the greatest thing you can do. It, it's to give to a God who is worthy in that way. A commitment made with faith. So make wise ones. Make a generous one. But thirdly, make a bold commitment. I think sometimes in our culture we're a little scared to make a commitment. We're trapped in all of the what-ifs, right? I, I, what if that happens? Or What if, you know, that crashes? And what if... And, Lose my job or I don't get the bonus. Or I, I, what if I, I can't make that commitment? What if an emergency comes up? And all of that is grounded in this desire, I think, for us to let our yes be yes, right? I mean, that's the way we, we want our yes to be yes, and, so, and that's good. But, but if you've already counted the cost, then be bold about it. And let's take a step of faith and let's trust God to help us in it. And let's be bold with the commitment that we make uh, to God. There's a story in, in Scripture, and by the way, Uh, once we make that commitment God doesn't hang us out there in the commitments that he leads us to make Matthew 17 is an interesting story very interesting and and Peter one of the disciples of Jesus is asked by a religious teacher and and he says hey does your master does he give the temple tax there was a Jewish tax on top of the tithes and offerings and all of that where they were now it wasn't Roman at all this was temple this was Jewish people coming around saying that we're going to tax everybody who comes to the temple And this guy's saying it's time for the temple tax. It's the annual time for the temple tax. And he says, hey, does your master give to the temple tax? And Peter says, well, of course he gives to the temple tax without even checking with Jesus, right? And and, and they walk off and Jesus says, Peter, come here. I heard the conversation that just happened. And and I heard that guy ask you if I give to the temple tax. And and Jesus said, yeah. I I mean, Peter said, yeah, I I said you did. And he said, Peter, I want you to understand something. That's for the temple. I own the temple. The temple's all about me. And so I'm exempt from the temple tax. Peter's like, oh, okay. You know, i write that one down. I'll remember that one, you know, for next time. Uh, yeah, but do I need to go back to him? And do I need to explain that to him? That's going to be embarrassing if I have to go back to him and, and, and explain that again. But is that what you want me to do, Jesus? You want me to go back and explain that you're exempt from the temple task? Maybe, maybe go with me and help me with, with that explanation. And, and Jesus said, no, 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 I want you to honor your commitment. He says, so go down to the sea and cast your uh, net into the sea and you're going to catch a fish. And when the fish comes out of the water, you open his mouth and there will be a coin in, in that fish's mouth. Enough to pay the temple tax. Now, I want you to see that for just a second. Something I want to show you in that story is Jesus didn't say to Peter, I'm going to make it rain money. Because some people read that and they think, well, that, that means that you know, money's just going to fall out of the sky. That if I make this commitment, that, that, you know, he's just going to make money appear. No, no. Jesus put Peter to work to go honor his commitment. And it's not just any work, it's the work of his hand. Why? He's a fisherman. And so he put him back to work as a fisherman, and he multiplied the work of his hand. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? He increased the man's efficiency in the work of his hand. God is not going to drop money in your lap when you commit to be, do it God's way. You're not going to wake up in the morning, and lift up your pillow, and find a bunch of $100 bills without serial numbers. <laughs> if that happens, put it in the stories at tcabc.com because I want to know about it. But it's never happened to me. But what does happen to me is he multiplies the work of my hand and he increases productivity. You may be looking at a raise, you didn't know was coming. You may get a bonus or, or who knows what the Lord wants to do. I, I don't know what he's saying, but what I'm saying is don't be afraid to approach your commitment with boldness. I got an email last week from a uh, family in our church who said, Pastor, we know what we're to give and I just want to share this story with you. And they use envelopes. And I've recommended that multiple times to you. It's what I use to budget in our home by Crown Financial. It's a program called Envelopes. No E. Envelopes. And it's an electronic envelope system. It's the best thing I've ever seen. And there's a link on our website to to get you there. But you click and you drag every transaction into an envelope so that you keep track of it. It takes about five minutes a day. And so that you know, and I can run reports on my personal finances at any given minute because of this software. And it's easy. It's not like Quicken or Books or all those other... I can't figure any of that stuff out. But this one's easy. And she said, God led us to give our entire vacation envelope. And she said, it was with great anticipation and great, great joy that we took that mouse and we moved that little arrow over that envelope. And we drug the balance over our giving all of, so that we could write the check that god told us to give, and it was big and it was sacrificial and it was filled with great anticipation and great joy and she said and a few days later my boss came to me and he gave me a bonus that i did not know was coming for the exact amount and god didn't have to do that but he did to say to that couple i am so pleased with how you are being sacrificial and generous. I want you to give to me with great joy and pleasure and I'm gonna let you have a vacation too. Now, is he gonna do that every time? I don't think so. But he does at times. And and we need to make this commitment with boldness and centered on God. Make a bold, bold, bold commitment to the Lord. He honors it. Number four, make a God-centered commitment. A God-centered commitment that is meaningful and that shapes your life because it's not about you, it's about God. And what you're doing in that moment is you're saying, God, I put you in control. I put you in control of my situation. I put you in control of my finances and I'm putting you in control of my family. And it's meaningful because it tells your family and those around you that I'm committed to God and I'm committed to God's vision. I'm committed to God's purpose in my life and I'm staking a claim and I'm owning the vision that God has for my life and I'm setting the direction. I'm saying, God, you set the direction in my life from this point forward a God-centered commitment is a lasting commitment and is the beginning of something amazing and the beginning of something great and the beginning of something powerful in your life I'm sitting here looking at at church members who who this last year told me uh, during a series saying that when you did that series with the talents and you brought those bags of money up on the stage to make that illustration, that they said we weren't tithers before and we committed to tithe. And what he told me is he said we gave more in this year than we've ever given before in our lives and we became tithers. And what I want you to hear, Pastor, is that God increased our business 800%. 800% 800% in, in one year so, so that God blessed it in an incredible way. Why? Because we are committed to doing it God's way. And we're committed to doing it. And I'm not talking about naming it, claiming it. I'm talking about putting God first in your life. And saying, I trust you first. Nothing great ever happens without great commitment. And you're not really living without commitment. But when you do commit to something greater than yourself, what you've done is you've opened yourself up for amazing blessings. And you've opened yourself up for amazing experience and amazing life. And and I just want to bring this home for a minute. Because I always try to say how they're going to remember it. How they're going to live it. And how they're going to put shoes on that text of scripture. So they can walk with that text into life the next week. And so on Monday morning when you wake up. And you think about these commitments that I'm making with my life. How do you practically do this? And your commitments are going to look different than my commitments. But there are some things that God calls us all to. All of his children. And I want to show you some of those practically this morning very simply and easy and practically with, first of all, one word that God is honored in when we make commitments to Him. And that one word is first. God is honored when we put Him first. So how how to practically, how do we put God first in our lives? Let me give you a couple practical suggestions. Number one, give Him the first thought of every day. Just as your commitments will determine the rest of your life, the first thoughts of every day determine the rest of your day. That that is just how it plays out. You want to have a good day, then have good thoughts first in the morning. And and I think most of us recognize God off the bat, right off the bat, right? But, But it's different. For some of us, it's thank you, God, it's morning. And for others, it's oh, God, it's morning. But what I'm saying is recognize God first every single day with with your thoughts and and our thoughts should be on him. Now, how do you do that? Well, a practical way to do that is not just to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, thank you for this great day. I'm giving it to you and I want to honor you in it. But as you go to bed, those are the thoughts on your mind, right? That why? Because the last thing you think about at night usually is the first thing you're thinking about in the morning. That's just the way that it plays out. You ever had a song stuck in your head at night? You went to bed with it. You woke up in the morning, the song's still stuck in your head. I could give you all kinds of examples and, and sing them for you and embarrass you. If you brought guests, you're saying, please don't. But that's the way that plays out. And, and, and so as you go to bed, think of God and, and give God glory, credit for the day. And then you wake up in the morning giving God credit and glory uh, for the day that is before you. Pray. If you're married, pray with your spouse. I read the stats all the time that talk about, you know, the divorce rate now in the church is the same or is approaching the divorce rate in in, in the world. And that may be true, but let me just tell you something. The divorce rate for married people who pray together every night will never approach the divorce rate in the world. It won't happen. And I just want to encourage you, pray with your spouse at night and then wake up in the morning thinking about God, giving him the first thought of, of, of every day. Number two, give him the first day of every week. First day of every week. That's what we're doing here today. Why do we do this? Do we meet on, why do we meet on Sunday instead of, of Tuesday afternoon? Is it because the disciples did that and they were walking with Jesus? They did the same thing. Listen to what Acts 20 verse 7 says. We give him Sunday because it's the first day of the week. That's why we do it biblically, because he is worthy. Uh, Acts 20 verse 7, on the first day of the week we gathered with the local believers. There is something about coming together as a group that is powerful. And I just want to go old school on you for just a minute. And I want to take you back to this commitment. And I want you to hear me today. Putting your family under the teaching of the Word of God with a faith family on a weekly basis is a worthy commitment to make. And it will set the direction of your life, and it will set the direction of your week, week in and week out, and it will set the direction of your children's lives. And I know the culture. I live it, guys. I got four kids involved in all kinds of activities. We meet ourselves coming and going, and I am sick to death of my kids' activities. I just got to tell you the truth I hate the culture. I don't hate the people in the culture. I just hate the culture for what it does. And, and I'm just telling you, confessing to you today, if I don't set that commitment that we're going to give the Lord the first day of the week, I won't. And I'm the pastor. Pastor. And nobody around here more committed to this place than I am. I'm saying you've got to make that commitment and let it be a valued high commitment in your life. And, and I understand sports and, and all of activity, all these extracurricular activities that your kids are involved in. Mine are too. But, but I want you to hear me. And I understand that we have kids that are talented and we want them to explore that. We want them to meet people. We want them to learn life skills. And sports are great for that. But don't teach your children that those things are more important than God. You will screw your children up and pay for it out of your own wallet. I'm telling you, and this is so complicated for my family. I, I can't, you think yours is complicated. I'm telling you, it is way more complicated for my family. Because I want my children to understand that they come before daddy's job. And that they are ahead of daddy's job. And that if there is a conflict schedule with dad's job and their schedule, I'm going to choose them. It's extremely important to me for my children to know that. When I get up in the morning and leave to come to this place and that office right outside that door, I, I, I don't tell my children I'm coming to church. I tell them I'm going to work. Because I want them to understand that daddy goes to work. And I don't want them thinking the church is taking the daddy away. I want them to think work is where dad is going. And I want them to somehow separate the two in their mind, but between dad's work and and church. Now, you try to explain that to a kid and help them understand that and help them figure all of that out. But at the same time, I want my kids to know that God comes before them. And then when there is a commitment level and a conflict between their schedule and God, we're choosing God. Why? Because I want to teach my kids God comes First. And so give him the first day of every week and go ahead and commit to it and go ahead and plan on it and just say, you know what? There'll be a couple exceptions every year. I know that because of these activities. But don't sign up for activities where there's an exception every week. Commit to bring your kids, to put your family in the house of God. When we gather together, there's something powerful that happens. And I know you can't do it every single week of the year, 52 weeks a year, but, but, but let me be clear. If you're choosing to stay at home instead of coming to church, you're missing out. And when we gather together each week, thousands of us, and th- we experience something that you do not experience on your own. You can't. Next commitment. Give him the first tenth of every paycheck. Proverbs 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits. I'm going to do it. First. One of the ways we show God that he's first in our lives is by giving. And we give 10% right off the top. That's the tithe. And I'm trying to explain this to my kids right now and trying to help them understand that. My daughter who's 11 has this cause that has been driven into her heart called invisible children. And it's third world countries that that put kids that are 6 and 7 and 8 years old into the military. And they become soldiers at 6 and 7 and put guns and knives in their hands. And and there's this brainwashing that happens. And she is highly committed to this cause. And she is raising money for this cause. And she is breaking all the rules in her school, selling merchandise in her school to raise money for this cause. And filling her binder full of money for this cause. And helping her understand that and saying, explaining to her the tithe. And she said, Daddy, I can't give the tithe. i got to take care of the invisible children. I said, honey, let me help you understand this and let's go to the scripture and let's look at what the scripture has to say. And she said, daddy, I got a question for you. Do you think a building over in Midtown is more important than these invisible children? You try to help an 11-year-old with that question, right? She said, that's where I'm glad you're the pastor, right? And, and, and I said, no, honey, I don't, but I do believe that God sets the priorities. And God's priority is the local church. And we're going to give a 10th of everything that Lord blesses us with first to the local church. Which by the way, this local church does a lot for kids around the world with that money. And then what we give over and above that is between us and God, and that's called an offering. And we're trying to explain and watching this play out in five, eight, nine, and eleven year olds' hearts is really, really fun to watch. Play oh, yeah. And watching my seven-year-old this morning say you know i've got a hundred dollars to my name and and uh you know it's twenty dollars does that cover the tenth and and more and 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 bring in a twenty dollar bill at seven years old and saying i'm bringing this to the lord and trusting the lord with, with what the lord has put in his hands give him the tenth why do we do it because he commands it we do it in obedience to him and if you are not tithing listen to me you are living outside of obedience to god We give in gratitude for the past. God, you gave me this wealth and I'm going to return some of it in gratitude to you. Uh, Another reason we do it right off the top is showing trust and faith. That I'm not sure I can afford 10%. Uh, No, I'm believing God to provide for me. And I'm going to do it before I pay all the bills. And I want to tell you today, giving to charities is not tithing. Paying for Christian school is not tithing. Supporting missionaries is not tithing. Tithing belongs in the storehouse at the local church. and, And I'm going to tithe first are those things good absolutely they're good Meredith and I do lots of those things but we do it after the tithe and and it's above your tithe and this own it offering that we're doing today is above your tithe in fact we've been using the word additional for a long time but for the last four or five weeks to say this is above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings And, and these are commitments we make that are important and he wants us to be a part of it and your decision today is extremely important. Fourth thing and we'll be done this morning, listen the first consideration in every decision I'm going to give the Lord the first consideration not what I want not what does my wife want or what do my kids want not what does my church want not what do the people around me want what does the Lord want me to do pretty simple quite honestly. passage of scripture you really ought to memorize if you don't know it Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 great promise for the children of God in all your ways acknowledge him it says in all your ways acknowledge the Lord I'm talking about big decisions I'm not talking about what to wear in the morning right And, and, and I think you ought to Pay attention to that. I got kids. They're all different. One of my boys, he can't go to bed at night until he knows what he's wearing in the morning. My youngest. And he, he lays his clothes out. and If he had his way, he'd just put it on and put his pajamas on over it. So he could pop in the morning, just take his bed and be ready to go. The other one, Eli, he can't go to bed until he knows what's for breakfast. He has to know what's for breakfast. Sometimes we'll be laying there at night and that pillow talk and he'll say, Dad, do we have lunch today? I'll say, yes, and we had lunch. What do we have? And I'll tell him, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason he's asking is because he's concerned. If we didn't, he's going to have it right now. He's going to make up for lost time. One time we were talking about that just yesterday with some friends and, and Catherine's mom, she had this lock-in one time up here and this night of rock thing. And they spent the night and... And she stayed up all night and came home and slept till like 3 in the afternoon. And she said, and I remember being upset because when you woke me up, you said, what do you want for dinner? And Eli was like, wouldn't trouble me. See, he would make up, he would go ahead and eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Even if he was only awake for three hours. He's going to have all three. Because there's a check mark in his mind, I got to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. I'm talking about big decisions, not, not what you're going to wear. I'm talking about who I'm going to marry. I'm talking about I, what do I do with my life? Where should I live? How much should I give to this? What, what should I pay for that? A- am I going to take this job? In all your decisions, acknowledge him, give him consideration. And you know what he'll do? The, path, the Bible says, and he will make your path straight. You know, one of the things I love about Tulsa is the straight roads because I'm directionally impaired. And I love roads that just keep on going straight. And if I know the cross streets, I can find it. I don't know what we did before GPS. I I was lost all the time. It's the truth. All the time. My kid, I've been on ferries and, and had no intention of being on that ferry. Just enjoying the ride. You've seen that Allstate commercial, that guy sitting over on the side is playing like a GPS. Turn right now. And he crashes and he says, recalculating, you know, in the midst of the crash. It's really funny. And GPSs are incredibly valuable to our life. What I'm telling you, this is the greatest GPS in your life. For the child of God to say, I'm going to acknowledge the Lord first in every decision. And his promise is, I'm going to make your path straight. And another, it's so simple, life doesn't have to be as complicated as we make. But I acknowledge the Lord and He will make our path straight in, in all of our ways. We're going to acknowledge Him. Another translation reads it this way. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and He will crown your efforts with success. is that good? He will crown our efforts with success. You want success? Of course, right? Nobody says no to that. That's like saying you want more money. Of course. Yeah. You want to be successful in your life? Acknowledge God first. You want to be successful in your marriage? Acknowledge God. You want to be successful in your career? Acknowledge God. You want to be successful in raising children that love Jesus? Acknowledge God first. You want to be successful in in every area of your life. And and right now, we're going to get an opportunity to make a decision. This is the commitment we're going to all make together. And we should not make it lightly. And each of you in your chair or in the seat pocket in front of you should have uh, both of these cards. And I want to coach you through it real quick this is the envelope that i gave you last week i asked you to take home and then this is the commitment card that's new to you this morning the own it commitment card and i want to coach you through these two things first first of all the envelope the top it says bring the tithe that's first and that's the reason i've been coaching you for the last few weeks and saying listen if you're not a tither the step i want you to take is to commit to be a tither That breaks every fundraising rule I have ever heard or read. Why? Because what they say is, you need a big offering so that you can come back to the church and say, "On this offering, we collected X number of dollars, and everybody can celebrate and there's great victory." And you don't just back off and say, "No, I'm not asking you for an offering before I ask you for a tithe." But I'm trying to teach you, and I want you to hear me. I'm not raising dollars; I'm raising sheep. And I want sheep to know the voice of their master. And I want them to understand the scripture. And I want to teach you from this book. I'm not raising dollars. We're raising people who are dependent upon Jesus with all of their lives. And so if you're not a tither, I'm not asking you to give to this offering. I'm asking you to commit to be a tither. First. You say, well, I'm not. I'm asking you to step out in faith and to become one. In fact, here's what I want to say to you. For 20 weeks, between now and Easter, Be a tither and give a tenth of all God blesses you with for 20 weeks. I'm just going to go ahead and give you a money-back guarantee today. If for 20 weeks you get to the end of this 20 weeks and you say, God did not bless me financially during this 20 weeks and my needs were not met, you come see Gordon in our financial office and he'll write you a check back for every penny you gave over the previous 20 weeks. You say, how do you guarantee that? I'm not guaranteeing that. God is. He said, test me. And try me on the tithe. 20 weeks. Commit it and try it. The next one says, give an offering. The reason we use the word bring on tithe is because you're not giving him anything. You're bringing it back to him. He said the tenth is mine. The first tenth is mine. And so we bring it back to him. We give when we give over and above that. Offerings, free will offerings some of you do that every single week. And you know what i found? People who get to the tithe and they do it with hilarity and they do it with joy and they're cheerful tithers. They always step across the line and become offering givers. Now, I know lots of people in churches who've been in church all their lives that are what I call tickled tithers. They've been tithing for years and they're tickled about it. They're so excited about it. And, they, and they've just been at the tithe. But they're not giving with joy and they're not giving cheerfully. And so what I want to say to you is when you give with joy, you will always move over because of the joy that it brings you to be a giver. The next one now says next step, and that's last time and old. I don't want to print new envelopes. The next one's a blank. And I want you to write own it on that blank. Own it. And I want you to understand with clarity today the difference between these three things. And we've been using the word additional. Over and over and over. Why? Because we're making additional commitments as a faith family to Midtown. And so it's got to be additional. To what I already tithe and the offerings I already give. And so fill that out. And get ready to give if you haven't already done that. Now this card. It's perforated. And this side over here says, I want to own the vision of Battle Creek. Dear God, I'm ready to put my faith into action by committing to give over and above my regular tithes and offerings. Today, I'm bringing you what I am able to give from what you have provided. With an expectant attitude, I commit to give blank over the next 20 weeks from what you will provide. Lord, please use my financial sacrifice to impact lives here in Tulsa, America, and around the world. Now, when you tear this apart, that side, I want you to keep, okay? So that you know what it is that you committed to the Lord, that side. The other side says, I, we commit to trust God by bringing him our tithes for the next 20 weeks. If you're going to commit to be a new tither, would you check that? Okay. I can't tell you how greatly encouraged we're going to be by those taking that step and saying, we're going to commit. and We're going to be tithing. If you're continuing to be a tither, you already are. Check that box. Then I, we commit to give an addition to my or our regular tithes and offerings over the next 20 weeks. The amount of blank. Same amount you put on that side and then put your name and address on it and uh, print, please, please print. You say, why do I need a commitment card? Because we've got to know how to plan. We've got to know how to plan and how to execute over the next several weeks to get that location ready to go in Midtown. Excited. So we're getting ready to give. Would you just pray with me all across the room, in both rooms, on the Internet today? Let me just say to you, if you're here today or you're watching by Internet and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, can I just encourage you? Just as I encourage you to tithe before you give an offering, before you give financially to the Lord, I I want you to give your life to the Lord. To trust Him for salvation. To trust Him with your eternity. And if you've not done that, right where you're seated, would you just pray with me and say, Dear God, I know that I am a sinner. And today I trust you with my salvation. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life to be my Lord, my Master, my Savior, and my Forgiver. The best way that I know how, I turn my back on my sin. And I trust you alone, Jesus, to save me. And I want to thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And, Lord, today we pray that you'd help us to make a wise commitment and a generous one. And a bold and a God-centered commitment. And as you pray about what your part is in that, and you talk to the Lord about that, I want you to remember, this has zero to do with what we want from you. It has everything in the world to do with what we want for you. I told you a few weeks ago about some people that I'd met that I've been talking to about this, about Midtown, about other opportunities here. And, and, and one of them used this phrase I will never forget his response. And he said, Pastor, I am so excited for the opportunity to be finally fully invested Fully invested in what the Lord is doing in my church. In fact, it was his comments that led us to the slogan and and title for the series Own It. That I'm so excited to be fully vested and invested in the vision and the ministry and the mission of Battle Creek. Here's what I know about investments. They're only as good as their reward. Only as good as their reward. And God said he's going to make our path straight. And he's going to give and crown our efforts with success. Those of you viewing online today, you can check that connection tab to fill this out. Lord, we're making commitments to you. We're investing in the kingdom of God. And we thank you for the opportunity to do it.